Hi, this is Laura Cherry with Sacramento Writers Club. You can find us on Facebook and on meetup.com. This is the fifth edition of our new podcast, and we're delving into publications by our membership. Today we have Clay Kerbo, and he has just won an award for his short story collection in the Garden of Mistress Bloom. And so we'd like to focus on this beautiful book. It has some stories that are not typical. I don't know if we call it experimental writing. It's very uh, dreamlike to me. That's what I would say. And in fact, I would say that that's the first thing, Clay, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. How are you, Glow? I'm well. Are you wide awake? Oh, I'm never wide awake. No, I'm always dreaming. Okay, because that was my first suspect, <laughs> is that you uh, you dream a lot. Yeah, I do. Yeah, daydream, nightdream, I don't care what it is. I write it down or I don't write it down. I think about it. You know, it just comes out. And how I got these stories, I have no idea, except something... I thought and you know just came up and I said, Oh, that's kind of interesting. And so I just wrote a story about it. Um, and I did that five times, which amazed myself actually, although now I'm I'm writing a lot uh, more product. Um, just had one come out in December called Interliving, Arian Seek. Those are the two people, Book of the Dead, and that's a, a dark fantasy. But um, I think I still kept the sniggering, um, you know, a little bit of um, a little bit of humor in the background, some tongue in cheek, but yet it's it's an adventure in the afterlife that uh, this guy Harry goes through and he meets Seek. So it's very different from the one that we're talking about now, the in the Garden of Mistress Bloom, which I wrote way back when, over you know several short stories, put them together finally in 2014. And, you know, it's that old. But um, you need product out there. If you're going to be a famous author, you've got to have product. So I decided to start pumping it out, trying to write a book every three months. That doesn't mean I'm succeeding, but I'm continuing to try. Well, that's a very ambitious goal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, there are some people, a friend of a friend says he knows somebody who writes romance books, and she writes one per month. And uh, the gal we just had uh, speak at our Sex Bourbon Writers Club, M.L. Hamilton, she's written, I don't know how many, I figured it was a book every two months, but she'd already written a lot of them before she had began publishing began publishing 11 years ago but it still encourages me to ramp it up i mean um robert silverberg bob silverberg um sci-fi writer very famous in the 50s and 60s when he was i don't know if he was a late teen or early 20s he wrote 11 novels in two years plus some short stories so it's amazing what humans can do, assuming we are human, and um, why not try? 
So is it limited by how fast you think or how fast you type? No, I think it's <laughs> how fast you avoid doing every other thing in your world that's possible to do. Okay, I'll buy into that. Yeah. I, I do find that I have to let a lot of things kind of disappear into yeah. the background. Yeah, and you know, if I, if I could stop eating, problem is when I start thinking, I start munching. And uh, so I have to go outside and run or something, get away from it. But um, yeah, the ideas keep coming. So I had a lot of fun with this book. This uh, In the Garden of Mistress Bloom, of course, it, I guess it did It did come about because I was at JP Aerospace. That's jpaerospace.com. It's a real cool place. And I'm a volunteer there. And we had a bunch of guys and we were, we're trying to get to space. Hi, this is Gloria Terry and Clay Kerbo. We're back again. We moved from, we were at the Falafel House and we've moved over to uh, another location. And um, Clay was telling us about his inspirations for In the Garden of Mistress Bloom, which is the first story in the collection. And it's quite a unique story. I had to find myself putting on my thinking cap and plugging up my ears before I could really read it because uh, there's a lot of uh, unique dialect that the characters use. And they also have terminologies for things that I wasn't familiar with and probably the average person who lives on planet Earth wouldn't be familiar with some of those terms, but it works very well. It's easy to understand what he's talking about. It's just that it's a little bit like Jabberwock. You have to kind of make your own. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, you have to. That's how I felt. You had to kind of make your own imagery from some of these words based on your own personal connotations. That being said, though, there seems to be a very specific uh, something going on in this story. They leave planet Earth and so on. So, Clay, you were talking about being inspired for this story by JP Aerospace. Yeah, um, a bunch of us guys are trying to get to space uh, and we meet on Saturdays building airships, uh, which some will go to space, even though the physicists tell us it won't work. And, uh, but it will work. Uh, we just have to do it. So I figured put some of these guys into the story. Why not? Uh, they are the troublemakers. Um, and if you read the story, you'll understand. Uh, I think actually you can read the story for free by looking inside the book at Amazon. If you want to go there, it's on Kindle. Uh, but it's not on Kindle Select. Um, the other one I have is, but um, yeah. So that would be that would be one way to uh, understand what's going on. The uh, the other four stories are completely different, each and every one of them from the other. Um, the second story is probably my favorite as far as sci-fi because it uh, it's a warp of time and dimension and uh, just what people are going through and I don't know how to describe it. That's, I guess, why I wrote it so that I didn't have to describe it. 
Um, but I, the character lives through it, and you're on his shoulder uh, finding out these strange things. Uh, it's written and where the guy is in San Francisco on a Sunday looking for a job, and he goes into this bar. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to tell you anymore. <laughs> um, but do you have any more questions, um, Laura? Well, once again, with that story that you're talking about, the 19th frustration, uh, that story I found to be the most dreamlike of all the stories. In the sense that? In the sense that, you know, people, they get into elevators and they come out in some place and time that's different. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it, it's definitely sci-fi. Uh, the first story could be classified as fantasy, sci-fi fantasy. But the other, the second story is definitely sci-fi. So here's what I found with all the stories, Clay. In particular, I'll say, I seem to sense an undertone of Big Brother or some type of environment that your characters live in where they have a very limited freedom as long as their freedom is contingent on following a program or following a set of rules that gets dictated to them from invisible people who are called they. <laughs> There's well, are very always true. they's in your story. Very true, because I like I like the character, the main character, hero or heroine, who is the the tail that wags the dog. He is the underdog he is the everyman who has to fight this external sociological force um, and he doesn't really know what it is or how to grapple with it but yet he must live courageously through the times that he's in and the strange circumstances that as an author I put him into um, I, I guess that is perhaps a definition of my own personality that um, I want to be the everyman who um, who does something great, but I'm constantly thwarted by the forces of not necessarily evil, but just the forces that are in the universe today. Um, so I suppose that's another reason why I wrote the Space Trade Update, which is a fiction by L. Paul Turner. Um, it's a nonfiction, I should say. It's a fiction in that it hasn't happened yet. But that came also as an inspiration from JP Aerospace. So each of these stories had their own beginning. Um, the last one, have you got to the last one? Did you read the last one? I did. The last one was the most, I think that one of your commenters made the comment, that it was actually the most easily understood. It has that dreamlike aspect to it, but we feel very strongly that it's going on in the mind of a man. Yeah, definitely, because the guy is in a wheelchair, and he doesn't dream so much as he's taken back because of the pills that they're given him, but he fights it and uh, eventually gets out of the dream, and uh, and yet he's haunted by the past because of his daughter and because of the war. Uh, he was in World War II, but 
eventually he succeeds. So the fact that my hero actually comes and commands himself against all odds is the kind of the kind of story that I really like. And I, I'm hoping I'm writing that one. Uh, I've got a major sci-fi novel almost done. Um, and it is very definitely, um, there's a gal, it's called Quest for Sylvain. And she is the hero of the story, but she's also supported by Bert Boston, another hero, a typical Earthman doing nothing but trying to get along, and uh, another guy from a different planet called Barkley, Tashan, and um, it. There's a lot of planets involved. There's a bad guy, Ferian. There's. I just. I hope you like it because. I, I hope you'll interview me on that one as well. So when do you expect it to be done? Well, I'm hoping to get it done last month. Um, but it looks like it's going to be June sometime. Okay, we're not going to impress on the title of it because I know there are working titles and things change. Oh, no, it, it's going to be Quest for Sylvain. It's Quest for Sylvain by, is it going to be by Clay Kerbo? Uh, yes, Clay Kerbo. There's one more thing about these heroes that Clay talks about in his stories that I could not ignore was the fact that these folks who are being controlled by these invisible thems who come into their lives and tell them what to do and what they can't do and so on. These folks, the hero, there's always a hero who's so concerned with who are you? And every single person he encounters, he becomes so engrossed in that person, the individual. What is your name? Do I know you? Have I seen you before? And yet these powers that be are telling him, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not important. Move forward. Go into this. And again, the dreamlike sequences that everything that happens in a Clay Kerbo story, I have to tell you, is a dream. When you wake up from a dream and you tell someone, the next person you see, and you say, I just had the weirdest dream. Okay, that's Clay Kerbo stories. Just people start out in one environment and they wake up in another environment. They open a door and end up in a different planet. Just everything changes really quickly from one minute to the next. Well, well, Gloria, um, I don't know if that's a criticism or a a glowing report glow. It's um, not a criticism. What it is is I will take it as a compliment. As a compliment, yes. Yes, I, I'm going to sure. take it that way. Oh, no it's absolutely what. a compliment <laughs> because for all these constant changes of time and space and location and environment, somehow you still know what's going on. That's somehow, the key. Yeah. Somehow you're pulled into this dream. And even though you want to say this is preposterous, <laughs> but you still have to find out, well, where is this Where is this hero going? And the most interesting thing to me was that in many, many cases, the hero ends up where he started. He does in a way. Yeah, that's right. Except for kind of, well, he's in a different place on one of them, but... Um, 
relationship-wise, he's in the same place that he was in. Yeah, that's. Uh, he's in the same place. Yeah. Well, listen, Clay. Um, we're outside and the sun is getting warm. Yeah. So we're gonna pull this down. I tell you, it's May, but it might as well be summer. And um, we're going to sign off for now until the next podcast. Again, this is Gloria Terry and Clay Kerbo for the Sacramento Suburban Writers Club. This is our new podcast, and we're going to be doing a series of interviews with our membership regarding their writings. So if you're interested in stories, some of them are new, some of them are have been published for a couple of years, but these are some very clever folks that we're going to be talking to uh, over the course of the next few months. So we're signing off and thanks for being with us today, Clay, 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 <laughs> Clay C-L-E, Asson Ague. Asson Ague. Asson Ague. So that's how we're going to be doing it. And thank, well, thank you, you for your time.